Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. I'm going to turn your attention to the Old Testament book of 2 Samuel, the ninth chapter. David said, verse 1, David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul? Starting, the verse makes sense. But after the comma, it seems to have an odd turn unless you know. That I may show kindness, that's where the awkward words are found. Because Saul is the previous king. And it is normal that when there is a, a change in authority, that the previous lineage is wiped out. That I may show him kindness, but then here is the delivery of why. For Jonathan's sake. And there was of the house of Saul... A servant whose name was Ziba and when they had called him unto David the king said are, are you Ziba and he said yes thy servant is he and the king said is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I can show the kindness of God unto him Ziba said unto the king Jonathan, Jonathan still has a boy left. He's lame on his feet. The king said, where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, he's, he's in the house of Maker, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Maker, the son of Amiel from Lodabar. Now when, verse 6, Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold thy servant. David said unto him, Don't be afraid. Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy grandfather thou shalt eat bread at my table continually he bowed himself and he said Mephibosheth said what what is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a such a a, a dead dog as I am the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I've given unto thy master's son all that pertain to Saul and all his house. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land. You go do the work. 
You till the land. You do it for him and bring in the fruits that thy master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son shall eat bread always at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said unto the king, according to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servant, so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he's going to eat at my table as one of the king's sons. I want to preach to you a little while on this individual named Mephibosheth. And I want to preach on the topic pulled from a handful of verses earlier here. Living in Lodabar. Living in Lodabar. Would you pray with me right now? Come on, that's... It's a great thing for us to now pray. If you would, pray that the Word would do what it needs to do for you and your life for us in this room here today. Yeah, that's it. God, help us. Do what only you can do. Let your word accomplish its perfect work here. We pray it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And let everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated today. On the screen, you will see a picture of two women. The elder is a woman by the name of Margaret Abbotts who had never met her father. He left their family when she was only 10 months old, born there in London in 1938. But almost 70 years later, she was contacted by a team of genealogists. That team that had been looking for her were air hunters trying to locate the sole beneficiary of Mary Major. Abbott's instantly recognized the name while she at first thought that she had opened a scam letter. She did recognize the name that had been whispered about as a child. Abbott's, Margaret Abbott's, was the half-sister and the only surviving next of kin to Mary Major who had never made a will. She was a mysterious sibling with no relationship ever being formed. But when she passed away, she had quite a fortune and they were looking for kin to pass it to. Imagine getting the letter that a relative you never knew had left you a fortune. Some of y'all would take that call. And if you don't want it, get me in the will. Margaret Abbott never knew her, but there was a relational connection. There was value there, even though the relationship had never been formed. 
If you will allow me today preaching to you on a thought entitled Living in Lodabar, I would like to preach to every individual that is here and talk to you somewhat quickly about a story that is, uh, it's pretty incredible in the life of a man by the name of Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth is, is the guy that we read about as the only remaining son of Jonathan. Now how many have heard or read about the tension between Saul and David, the previous king? You know you are well versed, most of you, with the tension between Saul and David. But Saul had a son by the name of Jonathan. And the Bible actually says in 1 Samuel 19 that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And while some have tried to take this relationship and make it awkward, it's important to note that Jonathan had a greater chance of being David's father than his brother. There was some separation in years between the two. Probably when David showed up toward that battle, he was closer to 16 and Saul was closer to 30 plus years of age. And somehow, even though Jonathan's father, Saul, was going to become extremely jealous of David, Jonathan, having had the name to be the rightful heir to the throne, found a love that I believe was introduced by God. Because David had been chosen by God. Now, I need to tell everybody that just because David was chosen by God did not mean there would not still be a Saul in his life who hated him. Just because God's favor is upon you does not mean that there will be everyone just loving what you're called to do. I would even say Saul was necessary to David's process. But Jonathan, with his name being what it was and his father being what it was, he could have aspired to the throne, but he goes so far as to give his robe and his sword to David. And allow your mind maybe to consider the text when you recognize that when David had been anointed to be king, his own father had not invited him to the living room. Jesse had brought every one of his sons but David when Samuel was coming. Aminadab, Eliab, the boys were all there. They were bronzed and powerful. And David was out with the sheep. And here comes in David because Samuel has said, is this really all there is? Is there not another? And here comes in young David and he stands in the living room. And Jesse looks at him and he smells like sheep and the brothers are annoyed. But God said, this is the one. And when his hair is drenched and there's oil dripping down off of his chin in the face of his brothers, Jesse, his father, for the first time was starting to see in his son what God saw. 
And I'm sorry, but it's a tragic truth that oftentimes God will see things in our children that we are blinded to. But here, Jonathan seemingly fits a relationship of an older male that David had not even seen with his own father. The love that was knit between them. And it's more than a brother to brother. It's, it's more like a, a, a young man to his, a nephew to his uncle or, or a son to his father. And the way that Jonathan loved and guarded David. And the way that David loved and honored being covered by Jonathan. We need people in our lives that will help sustain us until we get to the level that God has called us to. I want everybody to hear me very clearly. You will have a Saul in your life, but if you'll pay attention, he will put a Jonathan in your life too. Here's the danger. The danger is that once we find out Saul is against us, we got to believe that everyone is against us. And that is a lie from hell. Just because somebody is against you does not mean everybody is against you. And even though Saul might want to kill you, he will raise up a Jonathan that will protect you and guard you and keep you. I'm going to prove it to you right now. There are people in this room today. Your own family didn't really love you. They didn't treat you with love or respect. They didn't guard you. But you have adopted parents and adopted grandparents in this church. Some of you, some of the younger ones here, you can remember what it was to try to miss service a couple weeks. You missed service a couple weeks and somebody who had adopted you as their own and you didn't even know they felt that way about you called you on the phone, where you been, baby? Who is this? But their love for you, it was important to them that you move forward into the destiny that God had designed for you. I'm going to tell you what we believe in here at Calvary Tabernacle. Not what the world says about you. What does God say about you? What is God's plan for your life? What is God's destiny for your life? We've got a bunch of Bible college students that are here right now. And some of you, you have amazing families that live for God. Some of you, you're here and none of your family lives for God. And you've got adopted people in your home church. And I want you to know you're going to have some adopted people here at Calvary Tabernacle that say even though Saul wants to kill you, he's going to have to come through. I'll put my robe on you. I'll put my sword in your hand if I need to. But we are going to see you have victory. And it formed such a relationship between Jonathan and David. David went a long time between being anointed to be king and being king. It's one of the worst parts about it is you have a real good prayer meeting. God gives you an answer and then nothing. Anybody in the room, let's prove it. Anybody in the room get a word a long time ago that still hadn't happened? Look, you're in good company. Don't you think it would have been awkward for David to have had all that oil dumped over his head? I'm going to tell you, that moment was powerful. 
But who are you after the oil hits you? I know, I know that was fun, wasn't it? Sheep still need mending. Yeah, but I've been anointed. Well, be an anointed shepherd. Come on now. If you're anointed now, maybe you can drive the wolf back a little bit differently. I tell you what I do believe. I believe that after he was anointed, his intimidation of bears and wolves and I think that intimidation went down when he recognized my anointing's too big for God to let me die this early. My anointing is for a... <laughs> I'm anointed for a role I haven't got to yet. So when the bear shows up and when the lion shows up, I'm not going to fight like I'm a coward. I will... If most of us, Brother Fridley, would come to the place where we recognize my future is too big for me to act like I'm going to die right here. My future is too big. I've already been anointed for there. So I refuse to let the enemy convince me that I am stopping right. Come on, somebody. You know I'm talking to you. You're living in a place where the enemy has told you your life is over. But I got news for the enemy. My life is not over. I've got anointing on the top of my head. I got it dripping down off the vestures of my... I'm, I'm headed to a place. I know where I am. I hear the lie and I... I hear the bear. I know Goliath is coming. But I've got a destiny ahead of me. And David, David endures some stuff. And part of the reason he makes it is because of good old John. Jonathan was there for him. Jonathan was a keeper. And so David has first come into the kingship of Judah. Not yet the full king in the sense of all the land. You'd have to study it. Look at Ishbosheth and the setup of the hierarchy and the lineage. It's why when there was a transition in leadership, and I said during the opening text, that they would kill off the predecessor's family. If a new king takes over, lest someone tries to rise up and take their own place on the throne. Lest there be one lonely voice. And when he shows up on the scene, it seems as though he had been hidden. I will tell you one of the things that shocks me is that Zeba is even around to be called on. Brother Marshall, I'm, I'm a little bit shocked that Zeba is even there when David said, Is there anybody left of the house of Saul that I may show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? I'm not sure, but there is a servant that was... There was a servant to Saul. Servant to Saul, servant to a previous king. Can I tell you that most everybody in here used to be servants to Saul? Let me, let me throw the parallel for some of you that are like, I don't even know a Saul. We were all servants to sin. It's what we were, but he called us and he cleaned us up. 
and he turned us around. And scripture said, no longer yield yourself as instruments as unto unrighteousness, but rather unto righteousness. I used to serve sin. Because I used to serve Saul, Ziba said, I do know there is one young boy. And if you read it closely, it almost sounds like he is giving out one little secret that had been hidden. Just one little lame secret. There is, there is a son. A son of Jonathan. And he is in, in Lodabar. But David, he's, he's lame in his feet. He's... David sends for him, go and get him. And when he is brought in to, to the presence of the king, the Bible says he falls on his face. I believe the reason he fell is he thought he has finally found out I'm still alive. I've been hiding in this house. Can't care for myself. I don't have my own house. I don't have my own property. I don't have my own crops. You can't tell me that it never ran through his mind who his daddy was. Hadn't seen him since he was a small child. But you can't tell me that Mephibosheth, he lost his feet, not his mind. Thinking about who his daddy was and no doubt hearing the whispers of what could have been and the dreams of what might have been. And yet he falls on his face before David thinking that he is about to die. And David recognizes that he has fear and he said, no, 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 don't be afraid. I didn't even know that you were here. I did not even know that you existed. And he starts looking at the servant. He said, I want you to go. I want you to take the servants. And you end up seeing 35 people that are commissioned to the well-keeping of Mephibosheth. I want you to give him Saul's land. You give that land back. You give those crops. In fact, you boys, you set him. You, you go start work in the field and you go ahead and harvest the crops. And you bring it into him. Because since Jonathan gave me what I could not get on my own, I'm going to give him what he cannot get on I'm going to give him what he cannot get on his own. And it is the payment that is being ushered because of the kindness of Jonathan. God had placed a Jonathan. And the truth is God has put a Jonathan in every one of our lives. And I think he wonders what are we doing with the blessings that others gave us if we are not finding somebody to pay forward the miraculous provision of God. Mephibosheth has fallen before him, but he gets him up and says, I want you to harvest those, I want you to harvest those crops and bring them. I want you, and then I want you to do something. I want you to set him at my table. I know I've got boys. I know I've got sons. I, I understand this, but I need you to know something. His daddy treated me like a boy. His daddy treated me like a son. I'm going to treat him like one of my sons. Mephibosheth has no right, David. Who are you to tell the king who and who does not have a right to sit at my table? Because if you turn back only five chapters, you can turn back to 2 Samuel chapter 4. If you'll allow me, I'll read it to you from the fourth verse and you can look at the screen. 2 Samuel 4 and 4. And Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son that was lame of his 
feet. He was five years old when the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel. And his nurse took him up. He was five years old. He could have ran on his own. But trying to help him, she grabbed him and ran. As fast as she could, she fled. And it came to pass, as she made haste to flee, that he fell and became lame. He was not born lame. He became lame. He was not born lame. He became lame. He was not born lame. He became lame. And his name was Mephibosheth. He was Mephibosheth when he was five years old and running. And he was Mephibosheth when he was five years old and lame. But he did not cripple himself. His lameness was the result of somebody else's accident. And God has talked to me and told me that on this friends and family day, I would address a house full of people who the greatest flaw in your life is the result of somebody else. You need to hear me right now. It wasn't even your fault. His daddy had died. His grandfather had died. And the news came. And they knew the family will be destroyed. And some well-meaning nurse, some well-meaning servant, picked up little Mephibosheth. And he was probably squalling like every five-year-old. Put me down. It's fun to carry them when they're five weeks. <laughs> It's even okay to carry them when they're five months. But when they are five years, that's why some of our, some of our moms got muscles like Superman. Always walk with a hip out. You ever see a parent carrying a kid that's just too big? Put that kid down. She was trying to help him. And if you think about it, I don't know the armies. I don't know the warfare. I don't know exactly what would have happened because you hear me right now. A lot of people did die. A lot of people did get killed. When kingdoms are overthrown, people lose their mind. And a lot of people did die. And he might have lost his legs, but he kept his life. And if we're not careful, the enemy will make us focus so much on what we have lost that we never give glory for what we have kept. I recognize the sensitivity of the topic. Some of my dear friends are physically disabled, so let me make a disclaimer right now. The message that I am preaching right now is utilizing the physical ailment of Mephibosheth, and I am likening unto the spiritual element of crippling to the men and women that are in this place because I have found this truth to be whether you have all your physical ability or not, those that desire to serve God, I've got friends that cannot run around the aisle and every now and then they will take a lap in their wheelchair. 
I've been in services where men and women that could not physically walk came down with walkers or crutchers or were wheeled down and they begin to wave. And So I'm not talking about physical as much as I am the spiritual because men and women all over this place, please hear me. It wasn't your fault what they did to you. And I don't want to make too light of a situation because there are people all over this room that like Mephibosheth. Maybe you have been out in public, but the true part of you has been in the hidden places of Lodabar. You have lived in Lodabar, not feeling like you could ever really have access to a palace again. Not feeling like you could ever really having access. Ever since that happened, ever since they did you wrong, ever since... You didn't ask for them to abuse you. You didn't want that. You didn't ask for that. And you've carried that lameness around for the last 20 years. Mephibosheth, you had no desire for that. You've never been the same. You were just a boy when they died. You were just a boy when she was taken. You, you were just a boy when he walked out on you. You were just a young girl. You were just a young girl when you showed up and your mama had walked out on your family. And ever since then, you have been a shadow of what you wanted to be. But I got news for you. There is a call from David for anybody of the house of Saul that he may show kindness for Jonathan's sake. Mephibosheth, I want you to lift your face. Get a, no, 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 no. I'm not killing you. I'm putting you at my table. I'm getting you out of Lodabar and bringing back everything that... Yeah, but I can't work the field. It's all right. I'm going to let people work the field on your behalf. I'm giving you your land back. I'm giving you your crops back. I'm giving you everything that was stole. The greatest lament of the entire text was the time lost between his crippling And his restoration. He was five. He was five years old. When I think about some of the beautiful babies and small children we got in this church. When I know some of the true behind the scenes stories. You do enough work and enough in enough situations, in enough rough areas, you, you talk to enough people, you'll find out some kids have experienced by the age of five things that will give you chills up and down your sp Well, we have people pathetically peddling horror stories to try to get some emotional rise. We have kids all over our nation and all over our world that are living the true realities of horror. The truth is there are people in this room right now that you are grown up Mephibosheth and you look right and you walk right and you act right and most of the time you talk right and you, but you know there's a part of you that's never walked. There's a part of you that's never really lived. There's a part of you that you've just drug around what could have been. I want you to lift your hands. I feel a moment right now. I feel like God wants to minister to somebody who's been hurt for a long time.
I don't have any desire to dig up old wounds, but I have a real desire and a commission from God to bring up some fresh healing right now. You don't have to live in Lodabar any longer. You might be a first-time visitor, just a friend or a family member that's here. And I need you to know we called for you on purpose, Mephibosheth. We asked for you to be here because we want you to know you have a seat at the table here. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Let's love God together right now. Lord, we love you. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Jesus. Jesus. In Jesus' name. You can find restoration today. You can find restoration today. It has... It has been the work of a thousand, if not ten thousand sermons, Pastor Gallion, where men have talked about the table of David and that Mephibosheth, once seated at the king's table, his lameness was hidden. His likeness was understood because the king's table has that great ability to hide But I don't think David was trying to hide his inability. Because there had to be a start to the dinner. And there had to be an ending of the meal. And it wasn't as if they didn't know Mephibosheth was carried to that spot. 
And it wasn't as if they did not recognize that Mephibosheth was carried away. But I think David needed his sons to know. I'm not trying to show you that we can hide his broken places. I'm trying to show you he gets a seat in spite of his broken places. The way my mind works, I I can't help but tell you that I think of Mephibosheth and I think about modern medicine. And I wonder what could have been done to salvage him had time and space. And I say that only because there are so many in here that you have absolutely racked your brain with what if this would have been different? What if that? You have exhausted yourself with what if I had said I wouldn't go? What if, what if I just would not have attended? What, what if I just would have held on a little bit? What if, what, if, what if I would have begged her not to leave? What if I would have begged him not to? What, what, if, what if, what if, what if, what if? You cannot live in what if. But you can have a seat at this table. And it seems as though, Brother Brown, it seems to me as though there's some, there's some sense of a, 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 a likened shadow. This, this king's table to the marriage supper of the lamb. And this, this one day determination, just like David knowing he was anointed, had to live for a future moment. And, 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 and here's Mephibosheth, yes, lame on his feet, but seated at the table and restored unto him is that which is lost. And yet we look forward that, that there's coming a day for what is known as the marriage supper of the Lamb. There is a place. And I'm telling you, you won't even qualify for a seat there unless you were broken. I'm talking to some broken people in the room or some people that are connected to some broken people. I want you to stand if you're able. and I want you to Who's Mephibosheth? He ain't family. Oh, his daddy was my friend. And we're going to treat him like family. We're going to love him like family because his daddy treated me like family. His dad had no reason and he treated me like family. Calvary Tabernacle, I'm going to tell you, we are friends and family. We're friends and family. It's not about whether you got money or whether you're poor. It's not about whether you're black, white, Asian, anything. It's not if you're Hispanic. It's not if you're from here or from there, whether you're from Indiana or you transplanted in it. No, no, no. It's not about that. You just, you're just family. You're just the body of Christ. And we got different likes and dislikes and we got different opinions and different... And there's bickering every now and then because what family table's good without a little bit here and there? We tease everyone and just but 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 let anybody come against somebody in the family, and the family will defend. I need everybody in this room to hear me. You belong at this table. You get a seat at this table.
Pastor Lopez, come here. Some of you don't know Pastor Lopez's story. Pastor Lopez, for some of you that don't know him, you don't know his history. Is it okay if I say just a little bit? Pastor, Pastor Lopez is not a country kid from Cornfield, Illinois. That's me. Pastor Lopez, I, I, I've only went to prison to do ministry. I don't... I don't have... He went through some things that I don't think he ever wanted to go through. Some things you would, and you've never, I've never once heard him blame it on anybody else. Never once heard him blame it on anybody else. While he has a, a riddled past, he is the walking evidence of the grace of God and the mercy of God and a resolute determination to. Here's a cool thing. Have a seat with me. When we sit at the table, it's not about your past and it's not about mine. It's just that for some reason, for some reason he invited us to sit at the table. I'm going to tell you, I got some stuff in my past that's just different than his stuff. He's probably got some stuff I don't know about and I got some stuff he doesn't know about but we can spend all our time trying to look like this but if I spend all my time looking back I can never really appreciate that I got a you got to quit letting your past cripple you you got invited to the table you got invited to the table And the truth is I could bring up person after person after person and I could set you in one of these seats and we could line them up. But instead we're just going to make your seats these seats and tell you that you walked in and sat down here not as a visitor and not as a spectator. and not You walked in here and sat down as somebody who was invited to sit at the table. Now, if there's any Mephibosheths in the room that have said, I am tired of letting what happened to me, I am tired of letting my past dictate my present and dictate my future. If there's any Mephibosheths in here that said, I'm ready to be carried into what God has for me, then I'm going to invite you to come down to the front of this altar. And we just kind of come and we gather around this front and we say, God, God, I want what you have, not what Saul said about me. Some of you are going to have to walk to the altar and say, I know the lies my father said about me, but God, I'm accepting what you have for me. You might need to ask your friend. You might need to ask your family, do you want to go pray? And if you don't want to come down to the front, you don't have to. Right there in your pew. Right there where you're at, that's a seat at the table. Somebody needs to begin to accept what God has. Some young person, 
and some elder alike. Yeah, some teenager, but also some senior. Come on, some 20-something, but also some 50-something needs to say, God, they dropped me. I never wanted this. But I'm tired of hiding. I need what you have for me. I need the restoration that you have for me. Come on, that's it. Ministers, please help right now. Let the ministry team work around. We lay hands on one another. We pray for one another. We pray for people to be strengthened and encouraged. If you're here and you're not sure what to do, we're talking about the grace of God. And if you'll simply lift your hands right now and say, I know that I was crippled by the fall of man. I was dropped. I was caught up in the fall of sin. But if you'll forgive me, if you'll forgive me, oh God. The Bible says that the Lord is faithful and just to forgive. It's greater than what David did for Mephibosheth. The Lord will not only restore, He will forgive. 